Sound Seekers, welcome to Sound for Thought. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for making the effort to discover new music with me today. What can I really say at the beginning of this episode to make you more excited to listen? I think nothing. I think probably as little as possible is the best way to go with intros, so I will try to be as short as possible. This episode features a fantastic conversation on a very scenic balcony in Los Angeles, with the thoughtful and very talented McCall. We talk about all sorts of things like New Year's resolutions, My Favorite Murder, USC Thornton School of Music, the struggle of making art for other people, growing up in the suburbs of Atlanta, creating something from nothing, choir music, tons of stuff, you name it, we talked about it, literally everything. Most importantly, McCall explains why she makes music. You can find her music on Spotify or follow her on Instagram at thatgirlmccall to keep up with all the cool shit she makes. If you enjoy the show, the best way you can possibly support it is to follow us on whatever platform you listen to and share it with your friends. You can also keep up with new episodes and other cool content by following us at Redefining Records on Instagram. Fun fact, Redefining Records also very publicly facilitates a cult. That's all I can really say on the air, but if you're interested in finding out more, send me a DM and we'll see if you qualify. We'll see if you are cool enough to find out more information about our secret cult that is not secret and very public. As many of you listeners know already, the whole point of this podcast is to uncover the reasons why people decide to make music. As always, we're going to listen to a piece of original music from the guest at the beginning of the episode, and then another song at the end of the episode. That way, your listening experience and your overall perspective on the music and the artist might change after you learn a little bit about why the music was made. This first track we're going to listen to by McCall is called Lavender. And fun fact number two, McCall actually says that Lavender is the peak of her writing It took her four years of writing to kind of get the song to where it needed to be, and she tells the whole story of this song in the interview, so stay tuned for that. It's really interesting. Please enjoy. i 
We're starting with your Twitter. Okay. Rewind. Let's do it. Before we do anything else, we're going to get to know you through this tweet because somebody tweeted, it's a brand new year, introduce yourself with five things that most people don't know about you. The first being you have ordinal linguistic... Synesthesia. Synesthesia. Nailed it. I didn't know how to pronounce it. That's okay. No one does. I've I've learned something new today, though. But, I, I mean, I kind of Googled it, but I still don't really know what it is, if you could explain it. It is basically when you assign personalities, genders, and, like, relationships between letters and numbers. So when I was learning the alphabet and numbers, as I was writing them, they all came with personalities and, like, relationships to each other. For example, eight kind of sucks. She's, like, this bigger woman, and she's just really mean and bossy. But then six is, like, he's, like, very boyish and, mm-hmm. like, naive, and he's in love with seven, who's very femme fatale and way out of his league, and it's just never going to happen for them. And that's always... And it's for all of the, the uh, digits, I suppose. So that's, yeah. I didn't find out until high school that no, not everyone did that and that there was a word for it i also thought i was just like being silly like eh, i don't know do people have similar like characteristics they apply to the numbers like is there any consistency across people or is everybody different everyone's really different which is funny you can read people have typed out their whole transcripts of like what what every digit means to them and it's really funny to read, especially because I have my own and they were so pronounced yeah. that it's just crazy to even think that other people's are different. That seems like a fun thing to read. I think I could read a book of that, of descriptions yeah, right? of people <laughs> describing their numbers. They're like, so today three was having some issues. Has anyone ever written like a book that way? Like with the numbers as their characters? Ooh. Yes. Yes. Ayn Rand, I think, has a book. Or isn't Animal Farm like numbers or something? Oh yeah, maybe. I never, I never actually read that one. I don't think I read it either. Anyway. Anyway. Whatever. <laughs> so your favorite beverage is ranch. Yes. That's normal. As is everyone's. Yeah. She was eating ranch as I arrived. <laughs> you Just enjoy got some. playing GTA. Yeah. And you're not sorry about it. I'm so sorry about it. I really do dislike that I played it. And I enjoy it so much because it's just a- against everything that I believe in. But it's so fun. I just yeah. want to smash stuff all the time. You're promoting violence. I'm promoting okay. driving 
and getting from point A to point B as efficiently as possible. It's not okay. Okay. <laughs> so sorry. Um, you're also apparently fully naked in your profile picture. And yes. people will have to go look at it <laughs> to understand why that's funny. Should I explain why it's funny or should we just let them go look? Um, let's, let's make them go look. Okay. Put in a little effort, listener. Yeah, come on, guys. Come on, come on. You eat chicken nuggets and fries almost exclusively. Yes. I was also eating nuggets when yeah. you walked in. I can confirm that one as well. It was nuggets with ranch. <laughs> so that was, that checked two out of the four boxes. <laughs> They're confirmed. An honest, an honest representation yeah, of myself. And that's good. And then also on Twitter... Before we move on to the real conversation. The conversation is on Twitter, man. Oh. That's not a hippie thing to say. I don't know <laughs> why I used that voice going. Are you big on Twitter? Like, do you, is that where you spend more of your time no. online? I, spend, I think I spend the least time on Twitter, actually. But I enjoy Twitter the, the most. Like, I enjoy using Twitter the most. Okay. Because I just say, I don't know. I don't really have that many followers, and I don't think anything I say is controversial, so it's fun to just throw it into the void. Yeah. But um, as far as going through a timeline, I don't think Twitter... Twitter makes me just, like, anxious the longer I stay on it. Yeah. That's most social media, I think, though. That is true. raising anxiety in people. That's true. Because you're constantly seeing what other people are doing, what other people are thinking. It's It's always being compared. It's a lot. Whereas on Instagram, I have it... Fully curated. How how good are you on your mute button? My mute button? Mm-hmm. Good. I'm, like, on Instagram. Oh. <laughs> no, I was like, like <laughs> well, we're speaking into a microphone. Like, you're I like, have I a mute button. I think I'm okay. You're like, I was thought you were saying, like, you're going to have to hit the mute button soon because <laughs> we're about to say some terrible shit or something. Yeah, I was off like, record. oh, man, off record. No, 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 not at all. I just... I get you. I get you. <laughs> so you know There's the a way shit you, can you don't want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Or C, I, I think say, that's on Instagram. Exactly. And I think it's not like building an echo, echo chamber, where more as it's just building a space that you want to exist in every day. Why so, don't you just unfollow people? Um, I think because it's, it's not like that serious. I don't know. When I mute people, it's not like it's a big deal. It's more like I don't want to spend that much time on social media. So when I go yeah. on, I want my timeline to be things that are inspiring me. Yeah. Or information I need to know about the people I see every single day uh-huh. and, like, family and stuff. But if you're, like, a friend from my class that I still want to know what you're up to, but I don't really want you on my timeline, then that that's when I'll use a mute. And then I'll still, like, check in everyone's once in a while. That's nice. Know. Checking in on people. Just, like, check in and be like, what yeah. are you, what's new? What's up? And then it's more fun that way because I can actually catch up rather than get tidbits yeah. throughout the time. I feel like a lot of people are not even giving a shit about everyone else, though. They're mostly just, like, um, posting and posting, and it's all about them. They're just projecting themselves. So it's cool to hear that you are taking time to, like, check in with some people. Oh, for sure. When they're not on your feed. Like, you go out of your way to check on, like, what someone else is doing. That's cool. I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm just talking shit on a bunch of people for no reason. But I feel like a lot of people just project themselves. They're like, here's me. Yeah. Here's me again. I mean, that's definitely me as well on it. But I think I enjoy social media because I think it can be really inspirational. Like when I first 
when every 13-year-old girl first found Tumblr. So it was a really important day. And just I missed that where as I was scrolling, I was getting like inspired by stuff. Or whereas now it's like poo poo pee pee, literally. (laughs) I'm like, okay, that's not for me. Like it's funny, but I don't need that in my brain. (laughs) 80 times today. (laughs) Was that like a specific reference? That that is a meme that I saw bounced around. The whole joke is just that you say like poo poo pee pee. Nice. Yeah, you're gonna have to bleep it out again. Pretty explicit. No cursing on this podcast. <laughs> well, you also posted your New Year's resolutions. Oh, uh, yes. We're going to judge you. Okay. On how well you've done. All right. Have you been doing your laundry in a timely fashion? No. Not yet. That's There's okay. not, there hasn't been enough time. I have a lot of clothes to get through. Yeah, you could just buy new ones. It's yeah, fine. Exactly. <laughs> have you been keeping your car clean? Yes, actually. But that's only because I got a day job that forces me to so otherwise the last few months it was it was a moving landfill then that's the best most polite way to describe it well it was a yes it's a yes it's a yes it's yes. a yes yes have you pushed yourself to eat a single vegetable yes yes uh, yeah yeah consume broccoli with max collier of the hans earlier replug <laughs> yes go listen to the haunts go see them on tour right now i just saw them in orange county at malone's and it was a sick show they played with spurts well, i'm also friends with robert oh cool they were cool too so go see the haunts and max is a nice guy <laughs> and so cute <laughs> he's the cutest have you been, have you ever stayed awake for three straight days <laughs> since the new year started? No. Thank there we go. goodness. No, I have not. My sleeping schedule has been very uh, immaculate this year. I've been waking up at like 6, 7 a.m. and going to sleep at like midnight, 1, which is brand new for me. It used to be like sleep between 4 and 6 a.m. Yeah. every day. Sleep schedule is really hard. Like, I really respect that you're working <laughs> on it. So that's, like, not easy to do, to, like, force yourself to get on to a certain schedule and, like, always go to bed at the right time, always wake up at the right time. It's much better for you. Yeah. But it's hard to do. It is. It is. But it's honestly changed. Like, it's helped my, as someone with anxiety, like, it's helped so much. Yeah. I have been so calm the past few weeks since making that resolution that's good just not like desperate for whenever i'm gonna be able to like get my next nap yeah it's like no it's blacked out i'm sleeping now that's good do you have like a um like a routine for like getting ready to bed or getting ready for bed or like getting up in the morning um a little it's not i really don't i'm bad with like washing my face and whatnot so i don't I feel like some girls have, like, a 38-step, like, thing they do. I was watching a bunch of those Vogue videos earlier. Anyway, back to the point. Um, Yeah, I definitely listen. Recently, I've, like, right before bed, I'll listen through all the demos I have. Not of all time, but, like, (laughs) for for the project. take a while. Yeah, just, like, wind down with, like, my life's work. Um, (laughs) No. That'll get you relaxed (laughs) for bed. Not completely stress you out. 
So I'll just listen to what I did that day or like the project I'm working on and kind of get a final feeling for the day of what I did. And then I usually fall asleep to like podcasts or lectures or just like interviews, conversations. Nice. I've fallen asleep to yours a few times. I hope that's a compliment. Yeah. No, thank you. (laughs) I mean it as a compliment. That's cool. I was going to ask, what else have you listened to? Not of mine. Um, (laughs) What other podcasts and stuff? (laughs) I liked this episode and... Um, I love And the Writer Is so okay. much. That's a song, a songwriter podcast, and a, Ross Golan, who wrote Dangerous Woman and many, many other songs. Um, he interviews, like, all of the top writers from mostly, like, really current, but yeah. some legends as well. That one is really good. My Favorite Murder, always. My girlfriend loves My Favorite Murder. Oh, yeah. It's just, oh, it's like catnip. I just can't get enough. I gotta listen every single day. That's so fascinating. I love it. They're just, they're hilarious. Plain and simple. I just, I feel comforted when I listen to them talk about murder. I don't know why. (laughs) I guess, I I mean, I talked to my girlfriend about this because I was curious as to, like, it's kind of a bit of a stereotype. I don't want to project stereotypes that, like, girls are interested in, like, real crime stuff. But... uh, Or at least a a lot of girls that I know. And it was, like, comforting... I guess we figured it was comforting to kind of explore the situation in a safe way. Mm-hmm. So, like, to hear, like, how things might go down can help you, like, mentally prepare. Because yeah. girls are always put into scary situations. Not always, but more often than men. Definitely. Um, you can be at risk for scary situations. So, like, watching these things and reading about them make you feel safe because you experience it in a yeah. safe way. A little bit. I think it. I think it's a double-edged sword, though, because yeah. I've thought about this a little bit recently because my paranoia is so bad. Kind of always, just, like, late at night. That's another reason I'm trying not to stay up too late because yeah. when I stay up way too late, then I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like, someone's outside. I know it. And um, so, yeah, I, like, when I've been listening to them a lot, I notice even the walk from, like, my front door to my car is almost too much for me to bear. I'm like, because oh, yeah. I know all these things could happen. Uh-huh. Um, That's but true. then I'm like, so I'm like, well, would I be less paranoid if I didn't listen to this stuff? And it's like, yes, maybe I would be more chill when I'm walking around at night, but I don't, but also I shouldn't be chill when I'm walking around at night. So yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. It's a give and take. Yeah. It's like the more you talk about, I think any women's issue in general, the more you talk about it, if you're talking about it more than you're actually facing it in your daily life, then I like kind of find an issue with that. Mm-hmm. So if you're preaching about the plight of women constantly, but in your day-to-day life, you don't actually experience that much sexism and the men around you are cool or like whatever, yeah. then that kind of frustrates me. And I think that happens with true crime too. Wow, what a tangent about true yeah. crime. Anyway. No, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. But also, you, as you were saying, it's just a good show because they're funny too. And they're, yeah, they're just, they're just such cool. authentic people. I, I think they come off as authentic, so it's cool. They're either really authentic or they're or the best at faking it. They are just they're like the, the greatest best actresses. Um, well, where were we? <laughs> that was a big tangent. Sorry. About, no, I love tangents. You know, That's what it's about all about. The semantics of the women's movement. <laughs> yeah. It's just a quick, brief Just anyway. Dabble. Tell me about your childhood. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. 
So it was a dark and stormy night in Atlanta, Georgia. No. But um, you mean the music part, right? <laughs> well, yeah. But also it's interesting that you're from Atlanta, Georgia. That's far away. It is. We're in L.A. now. We are. That's far away. It is. Came a long way. I did. My dad moved out here when I was like five. And okay. I would come out to visit him. So oddly enough, it felt... I think moving anywhere else would have felt like moving far away, but moving here wasn't... Okay. It didn't feel too far. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in Atlanta. I loved that. Absolutely loved it. I grew up in the suburbs of Atlanta, I should specify. Um, and it was cool. I think my town when we first moved there was genuine small town. Like, I have memories of getting stuck in traffic behind tra- tractors, like, on our way to school. Nice. But by the time I graduated, um, it was like a big suburb and people were driving Teslas around so it definitely transformed I can't say I'm from like a tiny town in Georgia yeah but um the city is amazing and I'm so happy that I got to I get to rep it slightly like I turned 18 when I moved here so I haven't actually lived in Atlanta but I think it's the most amazing city and the music education I got coming from the south was ridiculous I'm so grateful for it. Um, should I specify about that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? What do, and go on. Go on. Um, lots of blues coming out of there. There's a venue called Eddie's Attic that is mostly famous because John Mayer won one of his first ever big, like, first time he got recognized was at Eddie's Attic. Yeah. And so now they host these competitions where artists from all over the Southeast and country sometimes come down and compete in it, and it's, like, very prestigious and whatever. Um, so I spent a lot of time there growing up and was lucky. Um, the booking agent, Matt Arnett, who worked there, he ran the open mic, and I went to the open mics the second I could. I think you had to be 16 to be in them. So I, like, the second I turned 16, went to them. I was going to them every week. I, like, didn't win for the first six times I went, and then finally I, like won the mini round and then I got to go to the semifinals and then I lost on the first round of the semifinals and I did that like for four years basically always lost on the first round of the semifinals that's okay it's okay I wasn't John Mayer and Jay Cook but it was fun but Matt was kind enough and saw some potential in me and if there were artists coming through these amazing acoustic artists and bands and blues artists that didn't have openers and he would let me go and open for them and then I'd have a free ticket for the show. Nice. And it was just incredible. Yeah, that's like a that's like a boot camp. A little bit, of yeah. Musical talent. Like Definitely. It's a really cool like incubator almost. Yeah. And there were a bunch of there's nothing like it out here that I've seen. Yeah, I'm not familiar with anything. Yeah, like the open mic really. circuit there is really like cool it's not out here i feel like if you say open mic it's like no it's usually like a coffee shop there's no competition usually there at least in my experience yeah which is limited but But in the south it's a big deal yeah that's cool but yeah it was really fun and exciting a great way to just meet a bunch of people and see a bunch of new music from a very young age and learn how to like socialize and adapt and do that yeah and did you take lessons as a kid, or was it all through school? Or Oh, so in fourth grade, we had to learn three chords on the guitar, which is the first time I ever touched a guitar. That's all you need. That's all. It's, oh, three chords in a dream. But um, 
yeah, my teacher was so cool, and I definitely I have I haven't been able to find him anywhere in the world. So I don't He's know, Tony Boss Tony seems Boss. to be pretty off the grid. If you're around, Mister Mister Boss, uh, thanks for teaching me how to play the guitar. Very good idea. But he would also let me come in all the time after class because as soon as as soon as I touched it, I was like, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my time here on this planet. And he would let me come in and show him the songs I was working on and writing. And I mean, fourth grade, like they were awful. So yeah. I commend him for his patience. <laughs> That's early. I mean, you're supposed to be awful. Really. True. Except for prodigies and stuff, which is you. Uh, yeah, clearly. Yeah, clearly a prodigy. <laughs> Or at least you were extremely motivated and aware, self-aware at an early age that you wanted to be a musician. And that's pretty interesting. I suppose. I had no idea what I wanted to do in fourth grade. I still don't really know. <laughs> you didn't have any idea? Well, it was... Like, nah. what did you want to be when you were in fourth grade? Uh, like, earlier, even earlier, maybe as, like, a young kid, uh, I wanted to be an astronaut when you oh. were, like, a toddler. But that was, like, the only one I ever really had. Gotcha. So it's cool that you had a mission. Yes. You're still on the mission. Indeed. That's perseverance to you. So at what point did you move to L.A.? I moved to L.A. to go to USC three and a half years ago. So 2016, August 2016. Um... And I actually released a single the day I moved here that is no longer online. But, ah. um, it was called I Thought I Warned You. And I had had a boyfriend in high school who had done, like, a camp out here. Mm-hmm. And while he was out here, he cheated on me. Like, whatever. It was high school. Um, I'm yeah, so over it, and it's fine. <laughs> but it's fine. I wrote a song that was very melodramatic and very... Uh, wrong side of history on the in hindsight but it was like I thought I warned you about the girls in California being mm. like all oh, the girls out there are slutty and like yeah. you better watch out but like <laughs> he's the one that did it and also yeah. interesting to release that on the day I move here and then all of the shows I play after are here and I'm just like oh yeah but uh that's what that's why I came I went to USC for two years and then I dropped out because it's expensive yes, and it is. not I loved my time there, and the education I got was amazing, but I am also happy that I didn't, like, graduate from USC. You don't want to carry that title with you. No. That guilt. Yeah. It's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> it's a, they're, they're not making us look too uh, hot right now. No. That's okay. Yeah, it's fine. What were the good things that you took away from it? Oh, so just endless. I mean, I could sit here forever, but I won't. Um... That's <laughs> First off, just the the amazing wealth of musicians that we all now have access to. Like any time I have a show and I need a drummer, I need a guitarist, I need anything at all, I have four options for every instrument. Um, and just the talent. I mean, talk about an incubator of yeah, just everyone working and doing the same thing and collaborating like it's part of the curriculum when you're songwriting that you have to collaborate and co-write and that changed my life because a lot of my career now is co-writing for other people which I'd never done before USC and um, there are resources outside of the music school too like all their creative departments I 
have some of my best friends went to SCA there and all my music videos and a lot of what I do is done through everyone I met there. Yeah. Pretty much exclusively. So, and all my friends, my roommates, like, I owe everything to USC, but again, not a Trojan. <laughs> Fuck those guys. They're the worst. But my personal no. teachers in Thornton was incredible. I no, that it. sounds great. It sounds like, I mean, there's obviously a lot of pros to USC in general, but that's kind of what you hear. Yeah. More than anything, it's just like the connections and the people and the resources. And then the money and the other bad stuff, you kind of just ignore, but if you can. Yeah. Just Some people can't ignore the money. <laughs> yeah. So, how long ago was it that you stopped going to school? It was. So, it was after my sophomore year. So, when would that have been? That was a year and a half ago. Year and a half, okay. Yeah, because I would be graduating in May. Okay. Are you thinking about, is that on your mind? Like, I would be graduating right now? Actually, no. It's interesting that you say that. I guess I should have thought that. But no, I think it's good that you're not. Yeah, I think I often think about, because a lot of my friends and, like, my old roommates that are still at school and still haven't graduated, like, that's sometimes weird to think about. And yeah. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I would still be doing that right now. Thank God. <laughs> Um, just because I've grown so much outside as well. Like, the person I was when I left USC when I was 20, like a fresh 20, and just, like, immature, and I've just become a... I mean, I'm 21 now, so way yeah, different. you're so um, mature. Yeah, I'm going to be 22 in a few months, but I don't know. It's The growth has been a lot different, so it's just weird to look back and be like, I can't believe I wouldn't... I wouldn't have gotten this growth until, like, two years after. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's... College is a bubble of sorts. I mean, it's kind of like the middle ground between being a kid and being your own adult. So you have some freedoms and some restrictions, but it's definitely a different phase. Yeah. That you can't really fully become your true self until later, I think, so... Well, also, yeah, so many things are contingent upon the space you're in, yeah. which has been weird to feel. Like, I have the most amazing group of friends ever, and I adore them, but it has been interesting to feel our dynamic shift since we all, everyone left school, graduated, did whatever they chose to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just like you kind of settle into yourself a little bit more, and you're not just... I used to share a townhome. It was like I lived on one door and all my best friends lived on the other one. And I was really good friends with all my roommates too. So it was yeah. just constant, like, together all the time. Yeah. And then you have a little bit of a crisis when you leave because you're like, we haven't hung out in a week. Like, they hate me. Yeah. It's like, no, you have jobs now. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I've had a similar experience too. Yeah. Same thing. In Santa Barbara, we, I don't know if you ever visited there. There's Ivy yeah. Vista, Ivy. Beautiful. It's just like this little town on the edge of a cliff next to the beach and everybody just lives right next to each other and it's just a town of everybody who goes to school there and we all hang out every day and yeah you do with your friends and stuff so and eat awesome food yeah there's some dank food yeah it's a nice place yeah i'm gonna plug ucsb <laughs> sponsor me yeah um well how did your parents feel about you committing to music full-time were they like nervous or um, cliche or were they super supportive or I don't I don't know how she, I don't know how my mom felt at first but she's always been 
so supportive. Like, I don't remember a time ever that she... The only thing I can remember her saying in regards to my music or me choosing what I was doing was just to, like, chill sometimes. Yeah. She'd be like, you need to calm down. Like, you can't... She... Whenever I listen to Vienna by Billy Joel, I kind of think of that. Like, that's how I think my mom feels about me. It's just, Mm -hmm. you need to chill. Everything's okay. You don't have to, like, do this right now. So because... I've been so manic about it since day one. I think she knew right off the bat that there, A, wasn't anything she could do, and B, I was working really hard at it. And I still work, like, 10, 12-hour days in my room recording music. So (laughs) I am really lucky that she accepts that. It's like, if you're going to work this hard at it, then how can I not support you? Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. Good mom. I know. She's awesome. So sweet. What has been the coolest moment of your musical journey so far? You ever had, like, one big show or, like, one moment in songwriting or... I don't even need to preface this. You you got it. Let me think. The coolest moment in my musical journey. I think... I have two. Can I do two? Is that allowed? I don't know. (laughs) Um... First one would be Under the Rain release party. We threw it at uh, Weber Rations, me and my manager at the time, Curtis. And it was just the most perfect night. It was all... I I really like throwing my own shows. Or my, I mean, I'm not throwing them myself. I have a lot of people helping me out. But mm-hmm. I like being in charge of the show rather than doing it at a venue because it's always just a hang. You can really curate everything about it and turn the space into your own thing and that's what we did that night we had these columns here that are with us on the porch Um, and I bought all this ivy and like a bunch of flowers and whatnot decorated the stage and we had a projector with um, someone walking through the Louvre and that was the first time that I ever I sang lavender and I went to step away from the mic, and I realized that everyone knew the words, the part of the song I was going to sing. That's and so cool. I just didn't sing it on the mic and, like, sang it with the audience. And I just, I didn't cry, thank God, but I could have cried for years because that was so cool. Yeah, I don't know how you didn't. I cry in the audience, like, when I'm really? a part of, like, when I sing along to my favorite band song or something. It's like, that's such a cool moment. Yeah, I well, I cry as an audience member. Yeah, I cry more as an audience member because I always look at them and I just imagine what they must be feeling right now, and then I start crying because I'm like, I want to do this for the rest <laughs> of my life. And uh, I'm the worst concert friend. Don't take me to concerts, to concerts with, with McCall. Okay. I'm no fun. I'm emotional and I just stand there like staring at the stage, trying to see everything, like a crazy person. Um, is that the end of that? Was was I trying to get somewhere? You, you claim to have a second. Story. Oh yes, yes, you're you're correct. The, the second would just be this new project I'm working on. I think has brought me into like I don't feel like I was an artist until I started working on this new project. Wow. I think I was. I I think the quality of everything I've done is. I mean, not to say the least, like through the roof. It's a crazy. But this project, and it's not even halfway done yet, but it just is having my hand in the production and, like, sitting in my room alone. It's just me, and everything you're hearing is, like, my hands, except eventually some some bass tones and arrangement from Bobby Rethwish. Um, 
it just feels different and I feel like I've finally found peace with music being able to have my hand on all of it yeah whereas before I was sorry to interrupt your question whereas before I was like I felt like the CEO of a company and I was like okay you produce this and you play this and you do this and here's how we're going to make the best product that we can make and boom here's a pop banger like top 40 let's go and now it's way different and it's more that music was also very accusatory and very like meh like fuck you for doing this to me and like or I'm so hurt because of this and this music feels more just like this is how things are and I feel I feel really happy to have gotten there to have grown into that that this moment that I'm in right now I'd say is the coolest one I've ever had that's awesome catching me at a cool time yeah I was like I wasn't even gonna ask another question I was just gonna say that's cool thank you that sounds great I will upset this great moment by asking you what the most frustrating moment of your musical journey has been oh gosh the other side of the coin yeah that's a much deeper well to draw from I'm trying to think of what it is for everybody I think yeah is what's useful to like comment on I think hmm it doesn't have to be useful okay just your own personal experience I think there have been a couple points since I moved to LA the worst of which being probably like three or four months ago um, like October-ish time period where I, and also like around my sophomore year at USC, I'd switched to music industry and I was just like a really intense person and I was like, I am Scooter Braun and don't even talk to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I've just, it's been a struggle to, as a songwriter and as a musician, like support and work with people and kind of feel like you always like just miss like the cut of what is of like what's happening um for example like there's been a bunch of sessions where I go in and I'm I'm so lucky that I get called in to write for other sessions and I'm happy that people need writers because I need a job yeah but it gets old after a while when you go in and there's this picture perfect teeny tiny girl with like lip injections and eight thousand dollar hair extensions who can't hold a note to save her life and also can't write songs Mm -hmm. and I'm in the room like struggling as a solo artist and making their art for them and like I had a couple moments after those types of sessions where I just was like not literally but throwing glass against the wall just like pulling my hair out I didn't know what to do just being like how do I what 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 am I doing wrong except not yeah. being like 80 pounds is how it felt that is not something wrong <laughs> nobody should be 80 pounds well I mean everyone should look how they look and also I, I've never worked with anyone that wasn't so kind and so and didn't take their project seriously mm-hmm. um but yeah it is it is it's frustrating as much as we don't want to talk about it and we all are like we all support each other like it's hard to watch the people around you rise um, and especially when you're literally making the art for those people sometimes. Yeah. 
and that doesn't go for like the my friends or like the people that are really close to me. It's more like auxiliary stuff I see on Instagram, which is why it's so curated now. Yeah. So I'd be like another like girl that's I'm getting advertised because she can't. I don't know. That makes sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> totally. It's a uh, crazy world. Yeah. A lot of people trying to do it. And a lot of people who are talented and deserve to have a shot don't get it. And a lot of people who have no talent go really far. And it's a bunch of people who don't fall into any categories. And yeah. it's a crazy world. I think it just comes down what has like brought me out of that headspace that I was in was kind of realizing I got to this point where I was actually... I feel like this is also cliche and like everyone says this at some point but I really did get to a point where I was like I don't know if I even like doing music or if it's a habit at this point because again I dropped out of high school dropped out of college didn't learn anything else so I was like I hope I want to do this forever Um, and I got to a point where I was like you know what I'm just going to see what life is like if I don't do it anymore I'm going to go about getting a regular day job I'm just going to I have a bunch of friends who just have day jobs and live in California, and they love their life. So, like, that's what I'm going to do. And the day I did that, I started working on this project. I, like, wrote the first song for it. And immediately everything. I I don't know. I just, I realize no matter what, I'm going to do the music. So might as well just do it and, like, live my life and enjoy it rather than try to make a product that's gonna sell and if the industry doesn't like like me by tomorrow then everyone is dead <laughs> like, yeah that's the thought process I used to have yeah it sounds like you kind of took a little pressure off yourself yeah it was nice it yeah was, it feels very nice because ultimately you can only like control what you do yeah so that's good it and is. that seems like it's leading to the the best art your best work probably I, I, yeah, I don't know if objectively it's going to be the best, like, but I, I personally think that it symbolizes a full part of who I am. Like, it's a really good summary of, of who I am, whereas other things haven't been, they've been more like little highlight reels here and there rather yeah. than an actual piece of myself. Yeah. So the big question I always ask, and we've kind of already been talking about it, is why do you make music? Mm-hmm. Seems like for you, maybe some part of it is that you don't know how to not make music. <laughs> but what would you say is your answer to that question? Um, I think that is a good, a good assumption. But I think also it's... How do I say this eloquently? It's, it's like a drug. It's like a drug, literally. Um, you wake up in the morning and you don't have anything, right? And then, I don't know if it's like a drug. I don't know if that's the right way to describe it. Whatever. I'm going to continue. And you can make up whatever metaphor you find fitting. I wake up and I have an idea for a song, right? Or I have no ideas at all. And I sit down and I start playing. And in the next whatever hour to 10 hours, I have a new thing that never existed before that I get to tuck myself in with every night and like I get to have that now. And I think even if they're bad, just like having something at the end of the day 
that you're like, whoo, like yeah. this came out of me. Like yes. I don't, it just is so fulfilling. It's yeah. like, oh, I feel so good. Yeah, you made something from nothing. Yeah. That's a great feeling. And then you can look at it and you're like, look at these songs. I made them all and they didn't exist before. And now they're here forever. And I don't know. That's, so, that's why I do it is because it feels like magic, like literal magic. Ew. No, it's good. So cheesy. Cheesiness is good. Okay. Cliches are good. <laughs> Some of the time, you know. Yeah. They're usually true, so. Well, when can we expect the new music? Probably, it's probably too early to put a timeline, it sounds like. Um, I'm not like an exact date, but I think you could expect to hear singles starting like May. Nice. Yeah. That's a good time. Right before summer. Right before the summer. Very nice. Here's a fun question. Okay. Not deep at all. Well, it could be deep. I guess anything <laughs> can get deep. When is the last time that a piece of music gave you the chills? It was Sweetheart of the Sun by Eric William Barnum, which is a choir piece wow. that I... I don't know. It's not deep, but it is a tangent. Um, in high school, while I was attending high school, I was in choir, and I was lucky enough to get into the a cappella choir. However, I didn't realize my privilege at that time, and I thought it was the dumbest thing ever, and I did not get along with my teacher, and I skipped it constantly. I was really disrespectful during class. I was just really lazy. I would, like, show up to concerts with, like, a dress that had clearly been in yeah. the bottom of my closet, like... Just the worst student. You were in high school. I was in high school. And I was like, just, I was like writing pop music. And I was like, get this out of here. Like, I'm making real art, Jana, <laughs> and who is my choir director. And since leaving, I have gone back, revisited all those pieces that we got to do. And they're the most amazing pieces of music. And I was being such a little shit and just thought my music was better than these like esteemed quote directors and composers so anyway highly recommend going back if you were in choir and coming through because that is it's good it's good shit <laughs> yeah I regret not doing choir in high school did because, you do any of them no I did I did art classes we, oh, we had cool. to choose some sort of art it was either like art or choir or doing pottery ceramics yeah um, or like band or something and I didn't do music at all at the time I did art class mm-hmm. but Kind of for the same reason as I thought, like, choir was not cool. I was like, <laughs> yeah. this is lame. Like, this is not good music. And then, like, I have a bunch of friends who did it, and it, like, changed their life. Yeah. And they learned so much and experienced so much from it. And I was like, damn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not that art class wasn't fun. I enjoyed that as well. But I was always I jealous of the art class kids, though. Well, there you go. There were, like, a couple of the really cool girls that I looked up to. The cool who girls. Who would, like... They, like, I don't know. I don't even know what made them cool. I think they, like, did yoga and painted, and I was like, whoa, that's so cool. So I would always see them coming out of the art room and be like, why am I in choir? Meh. Yeah. Meanwhile, I sample those pieces on, like, <laughs> most of the next project, so thank God. That's cool. Yeah. I'm excited. Thank you. So, <clears throat> what would you say is your favorite original song of yours? Of mine. Yeah. Which one? When you're going to bed, what's the one you listen to the most? Right now, 
Well, I'd say right now it's something off the new project, but I don't want to say any names yet in case stuff doesn't end up making it, but... Suspense. Of my... Yeah. <laughs> so... You'll have to wait for I it. I know, everyone, on your toes. Um, just text me and I'll send you the link to the album if you want it. But, um... Lavender, I think, is the peak of my writing, and I don't know. Obviously, I'll become better than that song, but, like, that song was... I don't, I don't know. It, it took me four years of, like, writing that song to finally write it. I was writing the same song over and over and over and over again. And then finally I was like, oh, that's how I feel about this whole ordeal. Like, I didn't even know. So that one. Yeah. What was that moment? What happened in that moment where you were like, it's done? Um, or did you even feel like it was really done or you just felt like you were happy with it? I think... Mm. Do you want the long or the short version? This is a podcast, so we're, <laughs> we're demanding the long version. I don't know if we have a time limit. I don't want There's to keep you here really forever. There's not a time limit now. Um, long version. So, long version of the subject matter of the song. I think I won't get too into details because that is the one song that people do constantly tell me exactly what it means to them. And they're like, this line means this to me because of this. And that's so cool. So I don't want to ruin that for anyone. Yeah. But it's to me, about this very melodramatic friendship relationship thing that I went through in high school where we both had just discovered, like, Wes Anderson movies, so we were like, oh my gosh, we're going to be so dramatic now. And just, like, had this whole... I don't know. He... I met him in eighth grade. I really looked up to him. He was an amazing guitar player. I didn't know anyone who could play as well as him. And I was just like, you're incredible. He thought I was, like, pop garbage. He was just like, you're boring, you're everything I can't be as an indie boy, so I won't even... Whatever. Yeah. Then we ended up becoming friends and then, like, playing music together, and that whole friend group is a huge part of the type of music I play. But he ended up not doing music and, like, going through a really hard time mentally, and he dropped out of school, and there was a while there where he just, like, was really clearly not okay, and he literally jumped on a freight train that went through our town. And it was like, I'm just going to jump on the train and take it to wherever it gets me, whatever. Wow. He's now fine back in Atlanta, chilling with our old friend group. And I've heard that he's doing nothing but well. But that song, I had been writing about him and about what I felt about that whole situation for all of high school and then like a full year into college as well. And finally, I went up to a writing trip in Oregon and I was alone in this room, and it was all, we were on this cliff, and it was the beach, and it was all windows around me, and it was really gray and rainy and gross, and I was started humming the guitar line, and I remember thinking, oh, that's cool, I, I should send that to Mikey, my guitar player at the time, and see if he could play that on guitar, because um, I was really insecure with my guitar abilities at the time, and then it was one of those moments that I was just like, oh, I don't, I feel like I should just try to play it. And I'd never played anything like that before. I'm not, at this time, I was, that was way too intelligent of a line for me to have written, but it immediately, when I played it, it I played that. Yeah. Um, and the whole song came at once. It didn't, I think there was like one extra part at the end that I had written, and then the first person I showed it to was like, no, keep it like right here, um, which was good advice, but... 
yeah, so that song, when I finally wrote it, was just like, thank God. Like, this song is, oh, I've been trying to say this yeah. for so long. And one more story I'll tell about that song, just because I love it, is I did another writing trip up in Shasta with my friends. And they, in exchange for staying at this resort for free so we could do our writing trip, all we had to do was play music at nights at the bar, at the local bar. And there's like a hundred people in this town. There were maybe like 10 people in the bar. And the owners of the resort came down every night and they were like watching us. And there were 10 of us and we'd just jam and goof around. And and it was really fun. But we all did a solo song one night and I did Lavender and this couple started dancing. There's like no one in here anyway. And then this couple starts slow dancing in the dim light of this cabin in the mountains. And then this the woman who owned the resort was crying, like, sitting in front of me, and I just started sobbing, sobbing. I could not control myself for a second. I don't know. I even remember if I finished the song, but it was, like, that moment in my mind will always be... That happened before the song came out, and I remember just thinking, like, even if everyone says the song sucks, just remember this, Yeah. and everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So, Lavender, for those reasons. Yeah. Okay, now, once again, I'm going to ruin it by asking <laughs> you what your least favorite song of yours is. And I'm not saying, like, this your own work, but, like, maybe the song that frustrates you the most or never became what it was supposed to be in your head or something like that. Um, how honest do I want to be? 100%. This is a safe place. Yeah, no one's going to hear it, right? We're on your favorite balcony. It's just you and me. Exactly. No one's going to hear this at all. <laughs> Um, right almost gave me a heart attack. Right really, 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 really tested me and tested everyone around me, I think. It was like, so funny enough, actually, the two roommates who are here co-wrote the song with me, Cooper and Elliot, um, and then Grant Bhutan produced it out, and I love the song. As a song, I think it's peak. I just think it's, I don't know, I, whatever. It's, good it's good as like pop it. music. Yeah. It's really good, and I'm really proud of it. And I'm really proud of the video. Griffin Meyer directed it. Ursula Bowling created, yeah. directed it. And it was just like, I can't believe that we pulled that off. And I'm so proud of it. And I thought that it was going to be a moment. Like, I thought it was going to be... My breakthrough, I guess, which is stupid. As soon as you assume something's going to be your breakthrough, it's definitely not going to be. But I had just a lot of weight on that song, and I kind of, like, I was in a really bad mental space during that whole release project. I went through a manager switch, like, in the middle of the PR of that song, or maybe right after it came out. And even though that was all amicable, it was just, like, a lot of change. Yeah. And I thought I was doing what was right for my project, but I think it was, I should have just put it out and, like, had a good time and enjoyed that it was a good song. But instead, I got really angry and, like, just, and I got in fights with my mom about it because she's, you know, obviously it's an explicit song and no one wants to hear their daughter say that stuff. And, like, it tested that relationship. And just for everything that I put on it, I don't know if, what 
I don't know. I ne- I would have put the song out regardless, and I love the song, and I will love the song forever. It's a banger forever and ever. But I do wish I had just been chill about it and not expected it to be, like, yeah. my lifeblood. Well, yeah. it's understandable. I mean, when you're dedicating your life yeah. to making music, it's okay to have high expectations. True. And that's naturally going to cause issues occasionally. True. But it's a great song still. Well, like thank it. you. Well, here's a fun one. I like to just throw some fun ones in at the end. Yeah. It's been so deep, you know. <laughs> so emotional. So emotional. <laughs> Do you have any guilty listening pleasures? When you're just listening to music, anything that's just silly. It doesn't have to be really guilty, but... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe unexpected? Unexpected? I don't think so. I don't even know if this is guilty. I think just because of the genre, maybe. But Lizzo... The first time I heard Lizzo's album, I, like, sobbed. and like yeah, she's great, yeah. <laughs> every single time that I need, if I'm, like, busy that day and I don't have time to be any sort of upset, I'm just, like, cool, gonna listen to Lizzo real quick. Rock out. I love her. But that's not guilty listening. Everyone yeah. loves Lizzo. That's okay. I mean, sometimes there's nothing to be guilty about. <laughs> With music, I mean, it's, it's all whatever you want to listen to. Yeah. It doesn't have to be expectations on what you're listening to and stuff, so. Okay. You asked the question. What do you do? (laughs) I know. I was like, I set that up and then (laughs) just went back on it. That's okay. What do you enjoy doing besides music? That's a good one. I hate this question. I don't do that much besides music. But um, I enjoy dancing. I enjoy editing videos and editing content. Um, content. Why did I say it like that? Like, as if I'm a YouTuber. Um, I, I like handling content. I um, say that word a hundred times a day. <laughs> oh, I Di- bet. <laughs> digital marketing. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I like, I like, I'm not, I can't paint or draw or do anything with my hands, but anything with like movement and like editing or choreography. Love that stuff. That's cool. Who's your biggest fan? Who's my biggest fan? Well, I gotta give a shout out to Destiny on Twitter. Obviously my sister and my family and blah, 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 whatever. But Destiny on Twitter, this bitch, I love her. She like sends me memes, not like sends me memes, like she makes memes about me. That's amazing. And or I'll, the other day I logged into Twitter, haven't really been on Twitter, haven't put out music, haven't been doing anything. And I have a tweet from her that was just, like, love that McCall invented music or something. She always says, like, really dramatic things. But um, I don't know. It's, she just, like, brightens my day constantly. No, just, I don't know. Because I don't know her. She lives yeah. in Texas. And I'm like, why do you care so much about me? But then I, here I am also stalking her back. I have, like, some, like, different selfies that she's taken saved because her makeup looks, like, sick. And I'm like, I want to do that. It's cool. The internet is cool. That is cool. That's the internet at its best. What's your favorite Wes Anderson film? Okay, I actually haven't really seen that many. So I'd say The Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. I've seen that one definitively all the way through. (laughs) Cool. And it's just stunning. Yeah. Do you have your phone on you? I don't think I do. Oh, okay. Well, one but, fun question. We don't have to do it. You may just remember off the top of your head. But okay. I like to ask people what the last song they saved was on Spotify. Oh, I know what it is. There we go. And it is Fool's Gold by Briston Maroney. Okay. Um, we met at Eddie's Attic. 
nice. years and years and years ago. And then that song came up recently on my Discover Weekly or release rate, not or whatever, some curated playlist that was like, he's like this. And I did. Nice. I liked it a lot. Good good work, Briston. There we go, shout out. Okay. Now we're gonna play a game. Yes. Of my own invention. Okay. It's called Soundtrack to Your Life. Cool. Let's do you it. You could probably figure it out just <laughs> by that. Um, but basically, I'll give you like three scenarios. Mm-hmm. You pretend like you're in a movie and you have to choose the song that's playing in the background. Yes. So the first one is that you're in a horrendous bar fight. Bottles are being thrown. Fists are flying. Um, what? What's that song? <laughs> <laughs> Disturbed. Yeah. Yeah. Disturbed. What's the name of that song? I forget it. Everybody knows. Yeah, you know. The Disturbed song, yeah. Stricken? Is it Stricken? Yeah, that's it. That's it. I was like, I know, I know it. (laughs) Okay, that's a good one. Scenario number two. Okay. You are on a road trip Mm -hmm. with your friends. Yeah. Driving across the country. Mm -hmm. What is your ultimate road trip song? The Valley by Bannock. Nice. Yeah. There we go. Very good travel song. Amazing guitars. Scenario number three is a romantic dinner. Could be a special occasion. Mm. What is your go-to love song? Lucy Dacus's version of Love and Rose. Very nice. That's the end of the game. That's a really good game. Yeah. That's a really good game. Thank you for playing. Can I, what What did you think were your answers? when? Oh, gosh. I haven't done it to myself. You, you don't play along as you're going? Usually, like, people always ask me, they're always like, we get to the end, and they're like, you didn't answer any of the questions. <laughs> they're like, you're supposed to say stuff. Because I always, like, try to focus on the guest. Well, thank you. It makes you're you a welcome. very good interviewer. Yeah, exactly. I'm just doing my job. And but I do say eventually I'll do if I if this podcast goes on long enough I'll just do like a special episode where I'll make somebody make somebody somebody <laughs> will force interview them. me <laughs> and I'll force them and you'll all have to listen to my opinions. Good, finally. So you have to wait for it. Okay. I'm well, I'm answer. looking forward to it. Let me know if you need an interviewer. Yeah, I'll, I'll come back to you. <laughs> where can people find you? Shout out all your social medias and stuff. At that girl McCall for most things. McCall Music on YouTube. Um, and at that girl McCall on TikTok. I want to get better at TikTok, so follow me there so I have a reason to be good on it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the place to be right now. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to hang out with some 12-year-olds. <laughs> just kick it Yeah. with the teens. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's blowing up, though. I love it. I'm still technically Gen Z. Yeah. So, it's okay. I think you hey, you are solidly. Was the cutoff is like 95, 96? Is it? I've heard such varying things depending on whether or not that person wants to be Gen Z. Yeah, or not. exactly. <laughs> I think I'm saying that cuz I want to be a part of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was born in 95 and so I'm like, yeah, I'm like basically Gen Z. Yeah. Basically. Just cuz I hate the millennial stereotypes. Yeah, stereotypes guys- are different anyway. But I mean, I'm pretty much in the middle, so... You guys got very different stereotypes. It was like, millennials are just the worst. Just, just, just the worst. And then it was like, Gen Z, we're so sorry that this is what you're walking into. You know what? Do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
can but be whatever you want. Anyway, to be, yeah, it doesn't really matter. I was gonna say I don't identify as a generation, but that was a stupid joke. Matt, I was waiting for you. Like <laughs> holding something in, I'm like, I'm gonna wait. You're gonna have to say it. <laughs> well, there you go. Was it worth we it? We got it. it. Was it worth it? I'm glad we got that. Can you please shout out another person that I could potentially interview for this podcast? Yes. Zoe Benson. I'm Zoe wearing Benson. her merch right now. Nice. That's a sick she sweatshirt. She's an amazing singer-songwriter. Um, she's been putting out a bunch of music in the last couple months. So. Perfect. I'd say Zoe Benson. You're going to have to uh, make an introduction for me. I will. I Definitely. demand it. You owe it to me now. We're also in a girl group together. Really? Anna Schofield. But oh, it doesn't dang. exist yet, so. Oh. Maybe by the time this podcast comes out. Maybe. Definitely. Then we could set up an interview with, like, all of you. Ooh, That'd fun. That'd be fun. There you go. That's my next recommendation, actually, yeah. is my other band. Yeah, just promote in that case, all your Luminism other projects. In Atlanta, you want to go interview them, too? Nice. Just kidding. I will. <laughs> I'll fly there. Thank you. Well, good stuff. do you have anything else you want to add? You feel good about it? I feel very good about that. You are very, very talented. Good oh, work. Thank you. you for braving the porch with me. I know it's kind of cold. It's a little chilly, but it was worth it. It was good vibes. Good vibes, good vibes. It was a nice overlook out onto L.A. and the hills and dogs barking. And They've been pretty okay. They actually did quiet down. They were okay. barking a lot at the beginning, but but we're okay. We're okay. We did it. Would you, would, last thing I'll say before you go... Will you face me in a game of ping pong on the porch? Absolutely. All right. Only if you're okay with losing. I'm very okay with losing. I'm really bad. All right. <laughs> well, keep making cool shit. Thank you. I always end with a high five, so. Woo! I'm falling under the rain. Whatever poison you slipped me. But I don't feel any pain I'm just all tongue-tied and dizzy
Looking like you 